0: And they read all this and they were horrified. Said, We demand you elect a committee to assess how we can ban porn for all of India. Everyone had two minutes, the United Nations was there, these all these politicians, local politicians, and I I preached for 20 minutes, you know, you give a mic to a preacher, <laughs> you can guess what he's gonna do. And well it, it turned into a huge storm, a huge battle. But cut a long story short, they blocked the top three thousand porn sites for the landlines or the, the networks and all porn on 4G and mobile networks for the whole of India. Wow. A seventh of the world.
1: Welcome, everybody. This is Simon Gilbo with Inspired. It's great to be back with another fantastic guest. Week by week, it, I love sharing with you different people I've come across, mates of mine from years gone by, or new friends who are doing beautiful stuff around the world. I have no doubt you're going to be inspired and challenged this week because we got with us Moses Paul. Moses Paul is, uh, well, what is he? He's a teacher, he's an evangelist, he's a missionary, he's written a number of books, he's a social reformer. Similar to me, he's been around, uh, well, for me, it's Burundi 25 years, but um, Moses Paul is uh, in India for 24 years he's reached we reckon about a third of a million students across a thousand plus colleges and uh I'm very looking forward to getting to this story about how he he was instrumental his people in bringing about a porn ban for the whole of India. Now that is mind blowing. We got uh, I I was reading just last week that India overtook China as the most populous nation. I think they're up to 1.46 billion people. So that's incredible. Moses Paul, welcome. Thank you, Simon. I'm excited. Um... Oh, mate, it's so good to have you. Uh, So let's get into it. I I don't don't really know anything about your your childhood. Were there any sort of key moments in your childhood? Give us a bit of a flavour.
0: Yeah, I'm from Bromley, South East London. My dad was very strict, which helped me with discipline. My mum was so loving. I had such a good family upbringing. And um, a loving mum obviously makes you a confident person, friendly. Did pretty well at school. I got 100% in my maths A-level mock. So that that was an exciting (laughs) moment.
1: So was it the natural expected course that you go to university after that?
0: Uh yes. Uh went to college and that's where everything changed. I I never went to church, never prayed, never read the Bible. The only time I, I mentioned the Lord was in in a m- moment of frustration, you know. And uh yet he tracked me down despite tens of thousands of times abusing him with his name in a in an aggressive way, maybe. So I was at Manchester University and one of my friends uh, tried to witness to me first time and I just laughed the whole time. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had a J. John Crusades evangelistic meeting. Mm-hmm. And I just realized through hearing him speak that I was ignoring my creator. And so I made a response, but didn't really understand everything. And uh, he told me three things. pray tell someone you're Christian and read the Bible. So I was getting drunk about uh, four times a week. I mean, I was really, I, I used all my money on drink. My room was a constant place for a party mm-hmm. at you know, college. So I took the John's gospel he gave me, and the first page it said, Jesus, don't water into wine. So I thought, <laughs> okay, you don't have to stop drinking. Um, that night I started to pray, as he said, and it, it was like, oh my goodness, he was listening and it was fantastic. It was amazing and um, got pretty much addicted. And the next day uh, there was one girl on my course. I thought she was really quiet. I could possibly tell her because it's so embarrassing to be a Christian. (laughs) And uh, it was at the time. So in between two lectures, we were sitting in the library together and I couldn't get myself to tell her uh, and so she got up to go to the next lecture after 58 minutes. And I said, Sally, sit down. And she thought I was going to ask her out, but actually shared, <laughs> shared the gospel. And that night she came to the Lord. So, oh, praise wow. God. But it was probably a few weeks later when I really understood about Jesus. And I watched a televised version of Acts uh, on the telly. And I walked up the stairs and I just burst into tears for hours, crying about that we'd killed God when he came, crying that, I was a sinner and crying that um, I needed to commit myself to serve him, even though I thought it would be really boring, but I was really wrong.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So just going back to Sally, I mean, literally, that's that's your first day of professing faith, and you're already leading someone to the Lord. Was that... Was that the sort of sign of things to come? Basically, you had this special gift in drawing people to Jesus?
0: Uh, I don't think it's a, It is very special. I don't think I'm special. I think that, you know, everyone, when they encounter an infinite being, you know, you really can't keep quiet about... I mean, eternity. I mean, I'd wake up in the middle of the night for months after salvation, and I'd go, oh, my goodness, it's heaven or hell Forever. And I was like, you know, I, was, I, I would go out each night and start just in my halls of residence. And first I went to all my friends and then I started just praying a little bit in the evening and then going out for two hours to anyone in their halls, you know, in the, in the, the lounges and just asking them questions and chatting. So yes, it was a sign of things to come.
1: Brilliant. Um, so go on, give us any, any more stories from those days of seeing your mates come to Jesus.
0: To be honest, uh, Sally was the first... And the last of my college mates. And that was typical of the years to come. It was mostly about sowing a seed. I think it's John 4 37, where Jesus said, Some sow, some reap. Mm-hmm. Now I'm believing for reaping, and I've seen a lot of reaping, but mostly, you know, to be honest, uh, there was a lot of. Uh, just challenging people and having hours and hours of conversation. And I believe that all by itself, the seed will work and God's working on people. But uh, where I did see lots of people come to the Lord was in the youth ministry. I was a teacher. I became a teacher after college. And in my first teacher training school, um, the the kids, I put three in detention and it turned out they were Christians. So we spent the whole half an hour talking about the Lord. <laughs> And then they said, "Can we do this?" You know, every week. And um, they came back after dinner because it was a, a school of music where they it was like residential. And they said, uh, "Can we do this uh, twice a week?" And we ended up doing it three times a week. And uh, one of my class, they heard I was a, a believer, and so I shared the gospel. And then I said, "Okay, you're going to dinner. It's the end of the day. If you'd like to respond, you know, come back." So about four of them came back and got saved and. Uh, then it just took off, and there was one people were coming all the time, and then there was one girl who uh, she was praying in the night at eleven o'clock, an hour after you're not allowed to go to the other rooms. You know, there's uh-huh. lights out. You know what it is. And she felt called to speak to her and say, "You've got to go to the next dormitory. There's someone in pain. You've got to pray for them." She said, "Lord, I'm no, there's it's against the rules. Uh, it's lights out." But the Lord said, "You know, I'm God. Hello." <laughs> so she she went next door and there was a girl who'd been sitting up for an hour in pain with tendonitis. It was a school of music, mm-hmm. and therefore when you play the violin with your hand in the same place all the time. Time. You have to be on therapy, stop playing on uh, some medicine. Anyway, she, she said, Look, I felt the Lord tell me to come here. Can I pray for you? She said, Definitely. So she prayed for her and she felt some whoosh in her arm and she was instantly completely healed and the whole school came to know about it and we had about 50 kids come to know the the Lord in that school and Mm. on on the second to last day unfortunately some of the kids started telling their parents that it was heaven or hell and so the headmaster told me he said if you ever come back I will call the police to arrest you. But okay. this is how we have to be, isn't it? Sort of on the edge. We we're, we're not foolish, but we're not also afraid. We have to be on the edge and share in share the gospel.
1: Yeah. I mean, you obviously became an absolute passionate radical follower of Jesus. Did your parents think you were a nut job? How, how did that play out on the family level?
0: Uh it took about 15 years and then when the day the month I went to India, my mum's friend and my dad's friend went to Alpha courses, one of their closest friends, and then my mum and dad ended up uh, in a, going to an Anglican church and uh, not sure how far they got, you know, but certain a massive change and um, um, my dad had an amazing miracle. He was, uh, he was always saying, if there's a God, why doesn't he do a sign? Why doesn't he do something? And so um, he wore glasses and he went to a dance with mum and during the dance, you know you get that bit on top of the nose that holds the glasses up, yeah. it's either a bridge or two little plastic bits on metal. Well, that fell off he had a full plastic piece and his glasses were down he could feel the metal and you know he looked all around on the floor and everywhere he went to the bathroom with his glasses uncomfortable and he said he said to me after the first time in his life he prayed he said god if you're really there why did you do that and he said then he said just to think you could just zap it back into being he said but you wouldn't do that i mean who am i as he's washing his hands after the loo, he's walking out and he noticed his glasses are up in the right place, comfortable. He took them off and that plastic piece is there. And, oh. and he, he, he was like quite elderly, but he, from that day on, he came to church all the time. He shared with his uh, brother-in-laws and relatives about Christ and um, yeah, radical change and yeah. deliverance, stop drinking, etc.
1: Wonderful, wonderful. So coming up to the India years, had, had you been to India? What was the journey in terms of ending up there for 24 years?
0: Okay, so I was a teacher for seven years. Uh, another fifty kids got saved in 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 my in my school where I was you know mainly teaching for seven years, uh, which was amazing and some there was four of us Christians, and uh, the staff were pretty much against us our powerhouse but after about five years, I felt it was time to move on and I was just praying and my and i I just just like was not sure the next step was. And in our youth group, the youth group leader came up to me that very weekend when I was really praying, God, what do you want me to do? And he says, I see you within weeks going on mission. And I'd never thought of mission before. So I got out after that, the Operation Worlds, you may remember a really thick book. And I opened it on India and read 13 pages and every page was saying, come to India. And so my friend, uh, in the youth group her dad was an om leader so i got that summer to uh, one month of my summer holiday i went to nepal and we saw so many people come to the lord it was just oh it was just off the charts it was just amazing we'd stand up outside temples out in the high street and just start preaching it was just amazing it was just god like confirming that i was to go to that area of the world mm-hmm. and then um the next year with ywam i went to i had to uh, pay off my loan to my dad. I was buying a flat. So my dad said, Yeah, you can go, but not yet. And I kind of felt the Lord say this was his will to pay off my debt first, because then I'd be by faith and on a much lower salary or no salary. So it was two years before I actually went to India full time. And um, yeah, that's how it happened.
1: And did you go under a particular organization?
0: Uh, well, I went with that YWAM that I went with in the middle of the two years, uh, which in which I was more doing teaching in the churches in Bangalore and different places. And so I was going back with them. But he, by that time, had left YWAM and started his own ministry. And so I started off with uh, with him. But then after two years, I was learning the local language. And Bangalore was so English and Tamil, I wanted to learn Kannada. So I ended up in Mysore, which was a very traditional a uh, Karnataka, uh small city stroke large town uh, where everyone spoke Kannada and a really, you know, pucker accent or, or traditional accent.
1: Yeah, I mean, I... Having been through the, the language learning process, oh, it's a it's hard craft, isn't it?
0: Oh, yeah, you tell me. I'm learning French now to go to France as well as England. Right. And one year, of seven days a week, five hours a day. And uh, I know you're fluent in French as well, but yeah, French is much easier than yes. Indian languages. There's yeah. no comparison
1: yeah, no, we had, uh, just on the French one, I, I, I love it, we've, we've had, because uh, we're a Francophone country, so I, I preach in French, and then Karundi is the other tongue we have, right. and uh, we had, well, because it's Francophone, there was a, a, an American lady, and she was giving her testimony in French, and she wanted to say that her past was divided into two parts, and instead of saying passé, she said derrière. Uh, right. And so, you know, her, right. her backside, and she went. She went on to say that oh, she went on Ryan. to say that one part was black, oh. one part was white, oh. and between oh, no. the two, there was a great chasm. Oh so, no! <laughs> so uh, you get some real clangers. Did you yeah. in uh, Canada? Did you ever have any sort of crazy things that you said completely wrong?
0: So many, but it actually led to so many open doors. But yeah. I went to visit one guy to evangelize this Hindu guy, and I said. And there was three of the youth, in the youth group came with me, three young ladies. And I said, I, I've come with these three ladies. But I, instead of saying, Henga Saru, I said, Henda tea. So I actually said, I've come with my three wives. <laughs> and I, used, I did the same mistake in front of 800 young, it was a Muslim A-level college. And there was a girl that was with me. And I introduced her as my wife. And like, she's screaming. And it was so embarrassing. <laughs> and and like the, the word for... Um, I was leaving a church and I said, the pastor shown such great hospitality, uh, Upachara. But I actually said, he's shown me great uh, Attyachara, which means he's shown me a lot of violent pornographic videos. No. <laughs> so oh, Everybody's God. laughing in the church and I have no idea what they're laughing about. <laughs> But um, that, that really opened doors for me sometimes, just yeah. being able to tell those jokes. I mean, there's so many more mistakes I made. Yeah. But. And
1: then I'm guessing sometimes I've been in scenarios where you know the street kids are discussing in Kirundi about uh, mugging you or whatever. I'll take the left, you take the right, and you turn around and speak in their language, and suddenly they're freaked out. They run off or they're disarmed, and you're all laughing together. And uh, it's, it's beautiful. Language, Learning the language is, is, is such an important part of uh, incarnation, isn't it?
0: Uh, I mean, I think all the revivals that have hit England, none of them have gone across to France. Not because of the distance, it's because of the language. As Brits, we are not good. What you said is right. It's not that hard. But we had such a bad experience at school, why like I did. you know, I was bottom. Mm-hmm. But now my confidence is much higher. We really need to learn languages because revivals come into this country and Europe is even darker than England, and we need to get. You know what happens here. We need to when life and the river of life and more and more powerful signs and wonders and amazing things happen, and we begin to change our nation. We've got to take it across the channel and into Europe.
1: Yeah. Mm. Amen. Well, you won't know this, but my um, my wife Lizzie, she was born in India. She's born in Ludiana in the Punjab, and uh, her dad was a, a sort of a, a high Anglican priest and he went to india and he would say now that he didn't really know why he was going he was going to be kind he was going to you know he he didn't have a a relationship with jesus and he met this evangelical missionary at language college and she courted she courted him through romans and then this visiting speaker um at the language school said "Uh, father david do you do you do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And he, wow. said, he said, do you know what? I don't think I do. So oh. he literally got converted out oh. in India, which, wow. is, which is nuts, isn't it? So um, you've, you've done the hard yards of uh, language study. You've got Canada down. H- how did ministry open up over there?
0: I think through one of my language speakers, of my language teachers, or two of them, uh, they just had friends in other churches. One came from a village, and i went there i think there was three that opened up and after I preached and, and taught, more doors opened up. It just was, it was just an avalanche of open doors. I think the, the novelty was a foreigner preaching in Canada. I was mm. preaching in the local village. Now they couldn't always understand. <laughs> they understood my jokes and laughed, and I half used the translation for the villagers. They could not understand. And two major pastors came up to me within a week, and they said, you are not called to evangelism. The problem was the villagers, they have such a different culture. And though later on the second half of my mission, I started going into the professional colleges, it was English speaking, I could relate to them so much. But the first half I was just going around as an itinerant teacher and just, I loved it. I just loved teaching the word of God and, you know, they're so hungry. They are, they sit for hours. They really are hungry. Yeah. And um, so if you're a teacher, it's, it's, it's like gold. It's so beautiful. Hmm. Key memories from those times? Oh, there was one, one day when I made a mistake and I had booked a, uh, a meeting and it was in a village. I didn't realize the pastor took me out there and it was evangelistic meeting. So I invited another pastor to come and do the message, even though I was the invited preacher because of what I'd learned about not evangelizing in the villages. And I sung, um, Lord, I come to you. I started singing, that thinking, Lord, I, I have no idea what's going to go on. I took my keyboard and I sung. I just sung for two hours. I just sung that song, and I got on the keyboard and I started worshiping. And almost the whole village came out. And though the other evangelists came, I felt so much the presence of God. I just preached a message on on Jesus, the cross, basic message, and and I gave a call, and about fifteen people came forward, and I was I was the most shocked person. And uh, then I said, you know. I really believe Jesus is here. And it seems when people get saved, the healing anointing comes. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went around praying for them. And uh, a week later, the pastor, or a month later, the pastor said, so many people were healed um, that they started a church in that village from all the people that got saved.
1: Brilliant. What's your answer? I mean, I've got my own answer because we've seen loads of the miraculous in Burundi, but what's your answer to those who say, why, why do you, why are there loads of miracles sometimes in these countries like India and Burundi and we don't see much in, in England or the UK or Australia or wherever?
0: Okay, Number one, I'd say the new believers there pray for hours every day. Number two, I'd say excitement. You know, they are excited about God. They, the culture, they've come out, of the culture, and so there's a radical difference in, between the light and the dark between a moral life. There's, the, the compromise isn't there as much. Mm. Three, we have evolutionary uh, deception, I'm talking about macroevolution, deception, that's instilled for hours saying there's no God. And so half our nation has no spirituality at all. Whereas in these nations, they have a basic spirituality. They've already been praying to God for miracles from when they're born. It's the natural thing to do when you're desperate. We have robbed our children and our nation of that natural cry through deceiving them to say that we all came from fish and from atoms and hydrogen.
1: Mm, Yeah. So do you essentially characterize your Indian years into two separate phases?
0: Yes, absolutely. The uh, teaching side, and then the second half, uh, the evangelism side. And I did two years as a pastor in between.
1: All right. Any, anything noteworthy in those two years as a pastor?
0: Okay, I mean, the, I went to Mike Bickle's House of Prayer. I'm sure you've heard of it. They mm-hmm. have 12 two-hour prayer meetings a day, about 500 full-time intercessors. I mean, if that's not going to bring revival to the West, I don't know what is. And um, so I was so inspired. So when I joined this church, he had about 40, okay, with the with the other, all the branches and everything, maybe about 100 uh, people. And he was doing a lot of prayer and had full-time intercessors. So I increased the prayer. I, we, we basically co-pastored. So he would do four messages a week. I'd do four messages. We'd do half the prayer meetings. I'd take the youth and led the worship in half the services. So uh, we raised the prayer life to seven hours a day, seven days a week. Wow. Oh, man. Isn't Jesus amazing? I'm just
1: thinking for people listening, is it, is it possible to pray for seven hours a day? How does, how does that work?
0: Okay, no, no, we had full-time intercessors, mm-hmm. then we had pastor the leading uh, you know, half, I would lead some. So, um, I mean, uh, going back when I was in England, I read Paul Yonggi Cho prayer key to revival mm-hmm. and was so excited at the Christian union where they would challenge us, but it would last about two or three days and then my prayer life would be down. But, so in the summer holidays, about a year and a half after getting saved, I decided I'm going to pray for two hours a day rather than just the half an hour or 45 minutes. Uh, but my dad said, you don't work, you don't eat. So I had to work in a golf course, washing up. And it's actually turned out to be the Lord because I would come home from church, 9.30, you know, say hi to mum, dad. By 10, I'd start. And from 10 to 12, I'd say, this is my prayer time. So I was so tired. And every day, Simon, the first 20 minutes was so hard, was so dry, was so don't do this tonight just tonight have a break and uh, then after about the 20 minute point the glory of god would come the anointing it's the holy spirit it's god that helps us and seeing his love that's the key and i just stop i just start crying and praying and um after about six weeks the 20 minute dry time stopped and that's Thirty years ago, by the grace of God, it's continued. So yes, I think as the anointing comes and as we are crucified in the early years, that the number one word God, God would say was "take up your cross." Mm. And you know, there's so much flesh, there's so much, as I said before, bad language or drinking. In the middle of one night, God said, "Throw away your beer." I poured down five gallons of beer. Each time we, we throw off the negative things, there's like a massive increase in the anointing, and uh, and it makes it easier to pray. Of course, when I went full time after 10 years as a believer when I went to India in ninety-six, you have so much more time. And if you're already passionate in spending most of your free time praying, uh and, and the thing is, I, I'm not a great prayer, but I'm a satisfied customer. I enjoy praying. And that's Jesus said, I will make you enjoy, I will make you joyful in my house of prayer. So it's like it's it's um it's something that's coming, Simon. It's coming, seven hours a day of a church prayer life. It's going to become normal in England, in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Bring it on.
1: So that church, I, I think I think you told me it, it went from 100, it mushroomed, it grew in response to the prayers, would you say?
0: Yes, it went from 100. Uh, I was there for about three years to about 400 by the time I left, and now it's about 1,000. Right. And virtually all Hindu converts, and virtually all through healing or prophetic words and the love of jesus the love yeah
1: and in the context of significant persecution
0: every pastor in my city was beaten up every single one i don't know any pastor in my city that wasn't beaten for his faith or put in jail overnight or i was arrested a number of times but um it wasn't serious for me it wasn't serious and uh, it was more to do with the church and people you know i think one of my team was uh, they tried to bundle him into a car to take him away put him in an insane, insane asylum hmm. and i grabbed him and grabbed the drainage pipe to try and stop and when i pointed to the CC. TV camera, half of them let go, and his his girlfriend ran to the police station. And unfortunately, I was delaying it by grabbing him as they're trying to drag him off. Mm-hmm. And um, just as they were getting him into the, the vehicle, the policeman arrived, and uh, you know, he was safe from it. So it's not as bad as what I hear your testimony in Brundi, uh, but you hear even today, I mean, there's continuous persecution, but it keeps. All the pastors, we prayed early morning once a week. We prayed once a month together, the pastors, all night Friday. Many of the churches had all prayer meetings. There was such unity. There were some struggles occasionally, but overall the pastors were really praying together. Their, their focus was Jesus, evangelism, prayer, holiness, building the church.
1: Yeah. I remember a, a Chinese pastor saying to a, a Western visitor saying, um, guys don't necessarily pray for an end to persecution persecution is, is our friend more persecution more growth i mean that's a hard word isn't it but so, I, I think uh, the, absolutely the, the depth of discipleship that comes yeah. through persecution is so yeah. challenging to us in the
0: west yeah we 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 have the persecution To be honest, this is controversial, but if we speak out against the main sins that emerge in our culture, we will have the persecution. But we think persecution on speaking out against the sin is a separate issue and persecution for speaking Jesus is separate. No, it's Jesus said, uh, if you confess me and my words, I will confess you before the Father. So there is A 100 Christians lose their jobs a year according to Christian concern. 100 christians a year in this country so some are persecuted
1: yeah yeah hey folks i love it the impact of this podcast and thank you those of you that's spreading the news could i challenge all of you listening to this could you share this podcast with three of your mates to see if they subscribe it's just getting great news out there and listen if you want to receive a weekly whatsapp ping just one ping to make it easy for you to share with other people, because often I listen to podcasts and think, oh, that's brilliant, but I find it hard to know how to share it. You can sign up at greatlakesoutreach.org forward slash WhatsApp. That's greatlakesoutreach.org forward slash WhatsApp. And then you get one ping a week that you can forward to your mates. Then also, how about a, a weekly email on it? That would be greatlakesoutreach.org forward slash inspired email you could do that greatlakesoutreach.org forward slash inspired email and uh, there are giving options there if you want to support the podcast it's on the auspices of Great Lakes Outreach and we're serving the poorest and hungriest country in the world in Burundi so I'd love your support in that anyway God bless you for your encouragement support and emails loving it now let's get back to the podcast So then the Lord sort of opened up a whole new sort of mission field amongst students, be it, be it medical colleges or, or general students. Tell us about that.
0: Okay, I mean this is a massive topic. This is, you know, what, what I feel I was really called to India for. And, um, coming from an English background of girls, drink, college, you know, media, um, a little bit of porn, you know, this, this is the, this has just leaped on the youth of India. And so the, the adults really don't, you know, really don't want this. And they are anti porn and, and sleep, you know, live in relationships. And India's much more conservative, you know, possibly traditional Christian values in terms of family than England today, sad to say. So I I wept over the issue of uh, terminating babies, abortion, and uh, I know there's grace for ladies that have had an abortion and Jesus loves them so much. But I, I, I heard a message on that. Again, I wept and wept and thought I had to do something about it. So I trained the youth in the church to start going into schools and i didn't feel to get involved but after a year and a half i thought i've got to get involved but definitely not schools but colleges universities so i did the first week and seeing the power of god come so mightily as as i taught in the college a-level college was the on the first ones i did And I sat in the Jeep afterwards going, oh my goodness, my whole theology has got to change. And I began searching the scripture. How come? Because we'd only speak about Jesus in parables, yet the anointing was there to preach repentance um if i can talk about this interrupt me if i go too far but basically if you look at israel we look at the book of acts for evangelism forgetting that there was john the baptist and jesus first now i love the book of acts as you mentioned about the miracles earlier that's you know we can learn it's all for today it's just so awesome it's the bible but we've got to remember that there was possibly three and a half years of jesus and maybe the same three four years of John the Baptist was seven years of ministry to the whole nation before, you know, the apostles started building the church. And if you look at their message, John Baptist was saying, change, turn from sin. Jesus in his Sermon on the Mount spoke about court cases, anger. Humility, Um, he spoke about uh, lust or what we'd call porn or adultery, you know, as well as he introduced God as the father and talked about spiritual issues. But he didn't talk about the cross on that day and he didn't talk about himself like he did in John's gospel he said, I am the resurrection. And so he was keeping his pearls in his pocket. There's that verse in Matthew seven, where it says, do not cast your pearls before swine. And Jesus didn't. Uh, Esther kept her identity secret. And so did God almighty, God, the son. He said, I'm just the son of a man. Well, great revelation. We're all the son or daughter of a man, but he was was holding back. He was holding back uh, for the first possibly, you know, two and a half years. And in the last few months, months and days recorded in john's gospel we see he christ preaches christ and um so we found that by just speaking in parables about the cross and resurrection not directly at the beginning we have this open door and though as i said it confused me am i compromising at the beginning with not giving the whole gospel but like we would show i'd show um do you remember where in Uh, Narnia, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, where Susan and Lucy were walking away from the stone table and suddenly Aslan, who's been killed by the wicked witch, is alive again. And then in um, Transformers part two where Sam Wickie gets the all spark and plunges it into Optimus Prime's chest, who's died and he's resurrected. And then in DC comics, I think it's Aquaman, Wonder Woman and Batman who raised Superman from the dead. I'd use those, those three clips and talk about if God came to the earth, he would reverse death be resurrected to bring immortality to all men. And, and and in the same way, we'd use parables uh, for the cross. So we started getting loads of open doors, as, as you mentioned in your introduction, the numbers. I mean, I was just doing 20 people when I was in England in my youth group. But suddenly we do three cities a year, and by God's grace, in using this Jesus' messianic pre evangelistic seed sowing lampstand sort and light strategy. I, I can't shorten the title. It's just uh, yeah. all those points. We we, we average got about thirteen thousand students in each city and we do three cities a year, and I did that in the second half of my time in India
1: yeah wonderful i remember actually preaching near delhi a few years ago and it was fascinating contextually because what you're saying is that you've got to contextualize the gospel in a context where it's it's not allowed to be completely out there and i remember basically everyone knew that i was talking about jesus yeah. but it was saying i followed the one who's promised you life and life to the full That's and it, it was a hindu party meeting i mean it was just fascinating wow. the sort of what what the lord opened up so wow. go on tell us more stories because i know you've got loads of them from different campuses how you saw god clearly at work
0: Okay, so I would do the uh, journalist college and have massive debates, you know, me versus 400 journalists. But the day before, I'd meet with God and, and I'd feel so confident. And they'd all be laughing at me in the beginning and, and they'd be winning, but that waves of rejection, be quiet, what are you doing, would go over. But inside my heart, I could hold on to confidence and not grieve the Holy Spirit because of the, the love of God that I experienced the day before. And then I'd start to take that ground and they'd all be clapping for me and then the liberal or the very uh, progressive students that were pro lots of bad habits, they would to walk out. They wouldn't be able to take the collapse against them. I love the science colleges. Uh, as I mentioned before, I think this uh, lie of uh, macroevolution and uh, the misinterpretation of the Big Bang is, of course, Jesus said, uh, God said, let there be light. And there was a big bang. Everything came from nothing. The big bang is on our side. But I feel that that's really put a mask and a veil over people's eyes. So we started going to all the science colleges, and we do uh, a topic called, is there an engineer behind the universe? And it became one of my favorite subjects. I mean, it was like I prayed for a year, and the, and the veil lifted off of me, and I could see the science pointing towards creation so clearly it took a year of praying because you know we went to school and heard all this stuff and you know thought and, and it, it, my debates were not science versus religion it was the science of there being intelligent designer versus the science so-called science of evolution and being a maths geek when i was young as i mentioned really helped because i proved the probability of god there being a god was 99.999 to a million decimal places i do that at the beginning, that was my first point in all the the colleges. There was one science college that was uh, only for postgraduate science students. So these were the ones who would go on to be uh, lecturers uh, and they would uh, raise up the next generation of high school science teachers. And there was only about 80 of them with with about 10 lecturers there. We had a three hour seminar and debate. And I did a vote at the beginning and 70% said, there's no God. And I did a vote at the end, and 70% of them had changed their minds. Mm. And they said to me afterwards, Sir, uh, we have never, ever heard this side. Unfortunately, in, in England, we have some laws which restrict what we can do in schools and, uh, and in colleges today. And we have to take this ground back. And that's what my next few decades, one of my goals is. Mm. Um, I never went to medical college cause they're so, um, they're so, you know, intelligent. And I thought they'd know more than me, uh, about, you know, medical terminations of babies. And, uh, but I just felt, you know, the, if we're going to change this in India, we've got to raise up a generation of gynecologists, which I can smell and I <laughs> uh, can now. Um, and so I went into this, uh, medical college, I, did, I preached for an hour and a half and um they, they they allowed me to do the, the program Um uh, obviously our aim is to raise up a generation of doctors who would be pro-life that was the issue mm-hmm. and um uh seven eight hindus came up to me afterwards who were all uh post-grad gynecology students and they said sir we will end abortion in india wow. and i was like. I don't believe that these guys know more than me. It's impacted them, you know? So from then on, I started doing medical colleges first.
1: Yeah. How do you see the sort of fruitfulness of that playing out?
0: Well, I mean, we, we had so many students that, you know, came up to us. There was one girl, she, um, they were all crying in this college. They often cried. It was the most touching issue. We did human trafficking, porn, that this, this issue of the, that life begins in the womb. Uh, was the most touching and so I remember one girl she um, was really she was pregnant and she'd just that week been told she's got twins and she was going for an abortion and she came to our meeting in a college student meeting and uh, she changed her mind and said I'm not going to have an abortion. And she's over the next years, and still just recently, we get photos of those twins. She, uh, after the meeting, someone led her to the Lord and she became a Christian as well. Lovely. And her twins are called Elijah and Elijah.
1: <laughs> oh, Beautiful. Cool. Yeah. Now, um, you started having sort of press meetings. Was that a God given
0: strategy? Did you just fall into that or what? Uh, to be honest, uh, what happened was the, the university professors wouldn't believe what we were saying about, you know, we were telling them, you know, what the students were telling us, because it wasn't just abortion, it was the sexual immorality, but the sexual immorality as we chatted to students after every program was because of the porn, and they were all saying it's the porn, sir, is the issue, and it just stirs us up, and it, it's so violent, it gives us the desire to rape, I mean, 60% said it gives them the desire to rape and 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 do everything before they're married you know um i mean that was something like 90 percent but some of the people wouldn't believe us so we started to do official surveys in every city we went to we take samples of 20 students from each college and then we thought my youths came up with the idea if we're going to change these things in the nation as jesus said we've got to get the light on the lampstand it wasn't a suggestion it's the word of God. The lampstand is places of mass influence, so TV, uh, press, news, government, education system, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm-hmm. My youth said to me, "We we've, we've got to get into the TV," and so we thought the only way we're going to do that is by you know, why don't we publish some of these statistics and see if anyone comes, and. One of the girls in my team was raised from the dead, not in my ministry, in that church I, I joined before I got there. Uh, 20 new converts prayed for her for one hour and she opened her eyes. It was an amazing, and she's now head of my ministry as after I've left, and an uh, amazing young lady. And um, so she went twice to the equivalent of the House of Commons, uh, next to the House of Commons Press Club. It was the top press club in Karnataka, mm-hmm. uh, the state that I was working in mostly. And they wouldn't let her in. They said, who is, who is this person? You know, uh, we haven't heard of your charity, bring an MP or a famous actor. Anyway, the third time she went an old guy came up to her and told her what to say to the security guard and told her what to say to all the, uh, interviews that she had, she said it and she got in and we got booked. And, uh, she went turned around to say after walking out of the last interview to this guy, thank you. And he disappeared. And she went everywhere and asked everyone. The people said, what guy with you? And as she's walking out, she's like, what was that? And God spoke into her heart. I sent my angel. And now the proof of the pudding is in the eating. And uh, we, we really believed that this was an angel because uh, we got it there. I was really, really nervous. And uh, I mean, I stayed up all night doing the press notes and I was so tired. I thought I'm not going to be able to speak anything. As we were going through the compound outside, as we were driving through, God spoke to me. And he said, when you are reigning with Christ in the millennium, that will be a big setup this is a small setup and that really boosted my confidence and and we were we were seeing like the equivalent of BBC Channel 4 Sky GB News all driving up with their cameras my assistant who wasn't that prayerful I said shall we pray he said yeah let's pray let's pray <laughs> because he was he was doing the press meet with me and I felt peace I felt confidence and uh, journalists you know they don't allow you time to speak and I've only been speaking for one minute and she interrupted saying hey Farangi, Karnataka, which means this is Karnataka, don't speak in English. And then she used a very racist term for the biggest insult for an English person, uh, thinking that I didn't understand it. And uh, everyone laughed. And then I said, in Kannada, okay, I'll continue. And I did the whole 25 minutes in for the local language. And they, she was silent. She kept her head down and everyone just took notes. And immediately after press me, I got seven, uh, seven TV interviews.
1: Wow. And so, how many people were impacted by all that? Do you think
0: we did press meets from then on in every city? We did thirteen total. It was in most of the state newspapers, Uh, some of the national. You know, a few hundred thousands. But every other press meet, we would get a a call to do a TV program. In the half that we got a TV program booked, you know, that was a, a main main channel prime time, you know, it was millions. I mean, there was one, we had a press meet in a place called Hubli. And one of the top channels after two hour press meet, (laughs) he came up to me and said, my heart is burning, I'm going to get you a a TV program. And we forgot about it. And we we covered about 93 colleges in that city. Mm. And we'd waited three days in prayer before we started. And the, the, the director of education said no. As she said no, Her boss came and arrived from Bangalore. He said, what's all this about seeing me? So I told him and he turned to the director and said, Give them written permission for every college. This is the issue. Um, <laughs> so, if we hadn't prayed those three days, we would have gone in on the day when he hadn't come in. Yeah. But on the last day, we were sitting uh, celebrating with uh, having a meal with one of the local pastors. We always work through the local churches, and we got a call from that channel, and they said, "Tomorrow, which was Saturday night prime time, we're doing your uh, we're doing your research. Can you be here?" So we. We we drove all night. We felt it was a gift from the Father, but God, the Holy Spirit came. Wonderful.
1: And tell us the story then that led up to you being able to see porn banned uh, across India through mobile phones.
0: <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So I have to go back a little bit because I'd say the you know getting seven hundred students here one one college. We got uh, 7,000 students. It was about hearing God's voice, you know, and the Lord knows how to maximize the impact of any ministry. And I think it's John ten twenty seven that says, my sheep hear my voice. And mm. I think it's somewhere in Job, Job 33, where he says, God does speak now one way, now another though man may not perceive it in a dream, in a vision of the night. And we need to pay attention. If we're in the Lord and praying and in love with God and excited about Him and and fighting sin, though we're sinful, fighting sin, he does speak in still small voices into our own minds. That's why it's a little hard because it's, it's into our own minds, you know, and, or in a dream, which is so weird. But when you start praying about that dream or you write it down, which I always do now, and two-thirds of my dreams are just pizza dreams, but um, <laughs> often, many, many times it's the lord speaking and i was in england and i saw in the paper that the when they divided one state of india into telangana and andhra the new prime minister of one of those states said we've got to stop porn on the internet so when i read that i thought i've got to go there." i'd never been to that state and so i i prayed all day lord when i get back i've got 10 days free before my first programs when i get back from england to india shall i go to Hyderabad. You know, that's the capital of that state under the British or Telangana. So I prayed all day, didn't get an answer. That night I was on my laptop and I was looking for a movie to watch. And I found a movie that I downloaded uh, six months before. Anyway, uh, this is Christian has just finished his degree, gets drunk with his mates, grabs a dart. They say, where should we go on holiday to celebrate? And they threw this dart, a world map on the wall, and it lands on a city. He looks at the city name and he said, we are going to Hyderabad. I went, God, you've just answered through a movie. So I said, okay, let's see. I phoned my team. They booked the tickets to Hyderabad. And when we got there, we just did a small sample of 200 tiny five days. We went around to the colleges, got some programs, and I felt, you know, this is too small a sample, but my uh, friends, as usual, said, no, we've got to pray the day before the press meet." So we invited all the tv channels and the press and uh quite a few came and um we prayed all day by god's grace and in the morning we prayed so much the morning of the press meet we couldn't pray anymore we just couldn't ask so we just worshiped for a couple of hours and we felt like we were carrying the ark of the covenant of the lord into the press meet and we just shared for an hour and it came in the uh news and then the next day uh quite the, several of the tv channels did actual 25 minute specials about the issue of pornography and how it's turning guys into using, you know, sex workers and teenagers and 18 year olds and 17 year olds, college students as well, into, you know, uh, watching 14 rapes a week. That was the, what, I, what I did. A third of them were watching 14 rapes a week as their uh, entertainment. So after it came in all the news, the head of education called me in. And uh, she looked at my press notes and said, you've got to bring this to the government. So she made some phone calls to the uh, deputy chief of police and to the government. And I got, I got right into the uh, parliament building. I spoke to one of them and then they all met. Uh, I, I, they did copies of my press notes with all these stats about how, how many girls are being on mass gang rates through you know, tra- trafficking to make this child porn, make this teen porn, mm. and um, how much demand was increasing to use Teenage girls as sex traffickers because they, 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 it doesn't sustain long term porn. They want younger and younger girls. And they read all this and they were horrified. And so they, they, they phoned up to Delhi and they, they arranged a meeting. They were not, they, 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 they uh, talked to them and said, we demand you elect a committee to assess how we can ban porn for all of India. And so they send the committee down, and, and they had to rush up. It took me hours to get my flight. I, I just got on the flight. I just got there, and I didn't feel I spoke very well. But everyone had two minutes. The United Nations was there. These all these politicians, local politicians, the chief of police. And I I preach for 20 minutes, you know, you give a mic to a preacher, pastor, him guess what he's gonna do. And well, it, it turned into a huge storm, a huge battle, but cut a long story short, they blocked the top 3000 porn sites for the landlines or the, the networks and all porn on 4G and mobile networks for the whole of India, a seventh of the world, because Jesus said, I have all authority. And when we step out with him, there's nothing impossible for our God. And we've got to see this happen in England.
1: Wow. Amen. Bro, that is just such an extraordinary story. I know you've got loads more. Uh, we we'll run out of time. Um, any any last words for us?
0: Well, Simon, thank you for having me. And yeah, I'm just beginning now my ministry back in England. I finished India. I really feel that I need to work in the churches, maybe Christian unions, um, but especially the churches in training churches. Um, I'm basically a teacher. I do evangelistic programs with churches, but I love to uh, serve them by helping them to have seminars on hearing God's voice on all the things we've been talking about, like raising up. We, we, we've got a worship team, but how about having a sort and light team in each church? We've got 45,000 churches. Just say 10% of them have a sort and light team and start deploying. So I love to go around training churches and speaking, And, um, people can get in touch with me through my website, which is Moses Paul ministries.com. And I've also just finished and just publishing, uh, kingdom stealth, which is about the college ministry. We did this full, my full testimony and I've written a, a few other books as well, which is you just type in Moses Paul ministries on Amazon and you should find that book. Excellent.
1: Listen, folks, you can uh, be in touch. We'll put that in the blurb, and uh, we want to maximize Moses Paul, his experience and and, skill set. So do get in touch with him. Do invite him along to your church. Uh, I want to say thank you so much, Moses Paul, for your time this week. Thank
0: you, Simon, for the opportunity. It's been great chatting with you.
1: Brilliant. Guys, if you've been inspired, give us a great review on Spotify or iTunes. You can be in touch with me at simongilbert.com. Uh, I want to thank Adam Thomas-Steer for the editing and Mike Sandman for the mic- mixing. I love the variety. I mean, we have such a range of guests, don't we? And some we can relate to, some we can't relate to at all. And and some, you know, the, the diversity of giftings in each one of us. Uh, but I hope that, uh, I mean, this week I feel very challenged, particularly it, personally on the level of my prayer life. I think sometimes, you know, we fumble and bumble, don't we, for a few minutes and, and just to press on in there to that, that place of breakthrough after 20 minutes or whenever it is. But... Uh, being hungry for the Lord, and we've so long for Him to break through, don't we? And, and we are called to be engaged in the arts and media and politics and education. I love the fact that 3,000 porn sites banned across India, and, and uh, no, no, no porn on 4, 4G. I mean, that's just a mind-blowing concept through concerted, strategic efforts. Uh, being winsome and being prayed into positions of influence. I did, That's just beautiful. So, anyway. Uh, We'll see you next week with another fantastic guest. Looking forward to that. In the meantime, God bless you and toodaloo.